came out to him and revealed to him when I was like, I think I wrote a letter to him when I was 15 years old, that I was going by Janet now and that this is my gender identity and this is how I'm living in the world and you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> you know, that, that was tough and we didn't talk. Um, we talked through my brother, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? My brother, Chad. We talked through him, but we didn't speak directly, I would say, for at least five years. Wow. And what actually saved us was actually writing letters, speaking our sides of the truth without the other person rebutting. The opportunity to speak your truth and hear the other person's truth completely. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like Celie, right? In The Color Purple. Absolutely. It's like that same kind of like her writing letters to God always reminds me of like that power of just being heard, even though you don't know where it's going. I knew who the intended audience was, and unlike Celie, who was just kind of writing it to this greater force, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's powerful in that sense of, I think that journaling also kind of does that for for a lot of people. I think so too. You left Hawaii after college and moved to New York to get your master's. Was it necessary for you to leave Hawaii to become the person you wanted to be? Um, I don't think it was necessary for me to leave Hawaii. I think that I was able to be myself in Hawaii. The only thing is that people remembered who they thought I was before, how mm. I presented before, and they would never let that image go. Mm -hmm. um, I always kind of compare it to, you know, Janie coming back from the muck in the beginning of Their Eyes Were Watching God and the people who wanted to remember the things that were bad about her, the things that she wouldn't have thought was shining, right? The mud on her overalls, the fact that she had aged a little bit, that she mm -hmm. looked disheveled. They cataloged that because it made them feel stronger. And I felt the same way about that in terms of like the remembrances of myself when I presented as a boy. I think that a lot of people like to hold that over my head. And so like mm -hmm. a small island, I literally lived on an island on Oahu and it was hard to get away from, like there was one degree of separation. Mm -hmm. um, leaving Hawaii and enabled me to be able to choose who I share myself with. Um, and that was powerful to have as a young person who was like, okay, the transition stuff is out of the way, the social and medical transition stuff. And now I can just learn what it means to be a young person um, in this space, in a space mm -hmm. of my own choosing, a home of my own. And I think a lot of people do this when they come to New York. You come here to like find your people, to find your voice. Mm -hmm. And I was like really excited about that as a young person to kind of feel as if I was not not so much shackled by my past. Right. Um, and really just like carve out what I felt my new day was. Absolutely. When I was reading Redefining Realness the first time in my little room across from the library in Indianapolis, Indiana. One of the things that I kept thinking while I was reading it was where does this person feel safe? I always, you know, when I go to college campuses, so many young people always ask me, they're, they're obsessed with this idea of safe spaces. Yeah. And I think for being someone who had never really felt I had safe spaces or none were offered to me easily, mm -hmm. um, I never know how to answer that question. The only thing I say that from my own experience, I don't think that safe spaces exist unless they're the spaces mm -hmm. that you create for yourself. Coming into the world, I was, you know, born, you know, the middle of five kids to mm -hmm. parents who were not super prepared to have children, but they had them anyway. Um, I think they wanted to do right, but just didn't have the resources to do that for all of us. And it's not just my own experience. I think all my siblings would agree. And I grew up knowing that I was poor, that I was black, um, child in America. And then on, in addition to that, I realized that I was trans. I didn't have the mm -hmm. language for that at the time, but I did. And so like having all of those things, I think that I grew up with the consciousness of knowing that these spaces aren't safe for me now, but 
it's kind of like what Maya Angelou wrote. Like, I did not come here to stay. Right. Right. And so I knew that I would be I would have to navigate these unsafe spaces and that there's more obstacles for me. Mm -hmm. um, and that eventually I would find the place that I would want to stay and not feel like I have to flee from. Right. So your first book focused on you coming of age. Your next book will focus on your 20s, a decade I'm super excited to be out of pretty soon, <laughs> by the way. I'm so ready to be done with the 20s. Thank you. Um, but what are some of the things you learned from your 20s overall? I know I feel like so many of the biggest lessons happen in our 20s. Um, I think probably one of the the biggest ones that I that I kind of learned from my experience was this sense of like not knowing is okay. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like everyone's seeking so many answers and we, we exist in a culture that, you know, tells us that like just around the corner, if you get this certain thing, if you buy this certain book, if you follow this certain person, you'll get like the key to mm -hmm. like...